Action Fanatics, welcome to another edition of the Bulletproof Podcast. I am your host, Chris the Brain. Joining me, my co-host, Chad Cruz. Chad, how are you this evening? I'm doing great, Jackson. Thanks for asking. Uh, you know, it's always a real pleasure to get on here, talk with my good friend, Chris the Brain, aka Jackson, about action movies. Action? Am I, am I action, Jackson, now? Is that what you're saying? I don't know what you're talking about, Jackson. All right. Thank you so much. Uh, you know, we're coming up. Uh, hot off the heels of our special episode we did last time with Michael Worth. And if you did not listen to that one, you really need to check it out. Michael had some great uh, behind the scenes stories for us about U.S. Seals, too. Um, always a pleasure to have Mr. Worth on the show, Chad. Of course, he's got, you know, obviously he has insight into the own fi- his own films um, that you won't catch anywhere else. But uh, he's such a student of the martial arts game and a student of filmmaking and just as an actor, as an action star, he's, he's really done it all in, in that world. So it's really cool to talk with him two on one um, and, and kind of get a different perspective than we would have. Absolutely. And I do want to give a cheap plug to Michael because Michael and Matthew Whitaker uh, brought back the clones cast after a, a bit of a hiatus and yeah, uh, it's about time. the latest uh, episode, I actually listened to it earlier. The llama Avenger. Um, actually you could even watch it too, because they're, they're on YouTube now. So they added a, a video element uh, to their show. So if you are a fan of the old school martial arts movies, check out the clones cast again, either on YouTube or wherever you get your favorite podcast, much like, this show, uh, the Bulletproof yes. Podcast. Now, one of the things we were so excited to have Michael on last time. One of the things we forgot to talk about, Chad, was our brand new Bulletproof Podcast logo. Yeah, yeah, it's a doozy too. Uh, I I had no idea it was happening, so it was sprung on me, and uh, I like it a lot. It's it's got that uh, the triple threat, you know, silhouette look of it. Mm-hmm. And my question to you was, which one am I? Well, I don't know. I guess you could be any of the three, given the time. Just a combination of the three? Like Perhaps. You know, there's a, there's a you, ninja, there's, there's a, a ninja. RoboCop. Yeah, and, and then, there's a super soldier, Rambo guy. Yes, so I'm thinking robotic ninja with an RPG. Yeah, that pretty much describes Chad Cruz in a nutshell. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I want to thank uh, the people at We Know Podcasting. They're the ones who designed that logo for us. Kate. Could you imagine that one of the, the most badass things on Bulletproof Action designed by a woman? This is That's why you crazy. don't this is why you, you don't assign them. gender roles, people. Yeah. So, yeah, I definitely want to thank Kate and uh, Matt Kelly, who I worked with uh, to make that all happen. Yeah. And I it was it was a surprise to you and the rest of the staff that I had cooked up. Well, and done. I, I love it. Yeah, I do, too. All right. Well, if you want to know more about We Know Podcasting, you're going to hear about it during this break. And then we'll be back to talk about the king of the kickboxers. Hey, everybody. I'm Chris Fafalius, and I'm the producer of Chris to Makes a Podcast and the host of the One Hit Thunder Podcast. And I'm Matt Kelly, host of Horror Movie Night and the producer slash the head of content for the Geekscape Podcasting Network. Between the two of us, we have, believe it or not, 25 years of podcasting experience, and we want to help you start your own podcast. We know podcasting, and we want to share that knowledge with you. So whether you're new to podcasting or you want some feedback on your currently active podcast, we want to help. Or perhaps you're just overwhelmed with all of the editing work. Well, we can help you with that also. You can contact us at info at weknowpodcasting.com for more information. We're excited to help your podcasting dreams become a reality. 
All right, Chris the Brain, Chad Cruz back with you. And last time, if you did listen, we promised a conversation about the king of the kickboxers. I know, Chad, this movie is a very special one for you. Yes, it's near and dear to my heart. And uh, I wish I could say that I, I kind of grew up watching this film and had a huge impact on me as a kid. But it, it's not true because I hadn't seen this movie uh, until just a few years ago. Um, I wrote a review for the film, I don't know how many, three, four years ago, probably at this point. And uh, I've seen it a couple of times since then. And I do believe that it really does get better every time I've, I've watched it. And you can't say that with too many movies. No, and I'm in the same boat. I didn't even know it existed until you had done that review of it. Uh, and I think, I, I don't know if I've talked about it here on the show before, or we have just talked about it offline, but to me, Lauren Avedon, I don't know if Cleveland area just had a embargo on his, uh, on his <laughs> right. movies. Cause I don't remember coming across Lauren Avedon movies when I was, right. you know, in the height of my, my blockbuster day. And just so you know, Chad, you actually reviewed this movie on October 23rd, 2014. So what year was it? 2014? Very early on. Yeah. Our, our, our first couple months in, in business well, is you when, gotta, when you did that. You got to remember how heavily uh, intoxicated I was for the first couple of years. Yes. I, so, yeah. Bef- yeah. Before you were a, a, a you know, full-time dad there had to do yes. dad things and be somewhat sober for your family. Yeah. For a few hours a day. Right. Yeah, so, I, I, feel, I feel the same way. I didn't see, I don't know if I had seen any Avedon films, like any of his big starring roles as a kid. Um, and it wasn't until you know adulthood that I had watched any of them. And, and even seen uh, the King, King of the Kickboxers. I think I maybe had done a, a search online about like obscure martial arts movies or obscure action scenes that were great. And somehow it popped up, uh, you know, the one here in the finale. And after watching the one single fight scene, I was like, oh, man, I got to seek this movie out. So I think that's how I found it. Yeah. And I'm going to like the cover of it with, with him and, and Billy Blanks doing the stare down. There's no way if I saw that at the video store, I wouldn't have got, gotten it. Right. And even the title, the title is so right. pure early 90s. Right. The title alone, but the cut, the, everything about it. So it's like, yeah, that was not in any Cleveland area blockbusters that I went to. Yeah. I mean, you you had like back then, you after Kickboxer came out, you had everything, kick, you know, college right. kickboxer, American Kickboxer, uh, Kangaroo Kickboxer. You had everything you could think <laughs> of. So if this had come out and, and I had seen it on a shelf, I, I definitely would have picked it up. So. So yeah, this one, you know, new to both of us, you know, at least, you know, in the, in the grand scheme of things. Um, but the great people of Canada actually got this movie in, I think, November of 1990. But in the yes. United States, we did not, uh, or nobody got the King of Kickboxers until August 9th, 1991. That's when it showed up here in the States. Uh, this movie is from Seasonal Film Corporation. Um, and that was a company started by Nigsi Yun. Uh, who was actually uh, formerly of the Shaw Brothers studio and kind of spun out and started doing his own independent thing over so in Hong Kong. He's seen a few fight scenes in his day. Absolutely. So, yeah, he he definitely comes in, wanted to do his own thing. Uh, this, I believe in the, in the 70s, he did this. Um, and then in the 80s, they decided, hey, let's branch out and kind of make movies for the American audience, the lucrative yeah. American audience. And they started that out with uh, the first No Retreat, No Surrender. That was the first movie they did 
here in the States. A classic, uh, a BPA favorite. Absolutely. And I'll tell you what, seasonal does not have the, the quantity uh, of a Canon or a PM entertainment, but by God, do they have the quality? I mean, every movie they did here in the U S is a movie I could watch over and over again, like the King of the kickboxers that we're discussing, like no retreat, no surrender, or like two of the movies that the director also directed Lucas Lowe directed King of the kickboxer. He also did no retreat, no surrender three blood brothers, another Lauren Avedon film, which is absolutely fantastic. And I'm sure one mm-hmm. that we will cover one day here on the show. Yeah, eventually. And another one I love, American Shaolin. Yeah, I mean, are those the only three movies he ever directed? I believe so. He may have maybe had one other one like later in his, like much later after this, but. That is wild because those are, I mean, when you look, when you think about the action scenes in these films, they don't fit in American cinema at the time they came out. You know, you watch King King of the Kickboxers and it's just like, it's like you're watching a, a film from, I don't know, from like a different time. Because, right. I mean, you got to think about like the, the, the way that stunt crews worked in different countries. And these guys were just getting obliterated in stunt scenes. And, and it's so fun to watch. But just the editing, the quick pace of it, it just feels so, so great to watch. And I can't imagine this guy not making more action films. Yeah. From what I saw, he didn't make that many more if he did any at all. Um, but yeah, wow. if, if those were the only three he did, he is three for three, my friend. No doubt. So let's get into the movie. Uh, Things start off in Thailand, and we see a young Jake Donahue, um, played by Patrick Shuck. And can I just say, Mm -hmm. Patrick Shuck sucks. (laughs) Yeah. He he was not not very good. He was not very good. And this this was his only acting role. And let me tell you. Darn it. I was not shocked. Um, Yeah, he's like the level of the young Frank Dukes in Bloodsport. (laughs) That's exactly what I thought about when I saw him. And it, you know, I said that every time you watch this film, it kind of, you kind of find new things to like about it. That's not one of the things you'll no, ever like. That's you'll one always of the, hate that part. That's like, Oh, he's, he's horrible. He's, he's awful. Still bad. Even worse. Yeah. So uh, yeah, he, he gets worse all the time. The rest of the movie gets better. Um, yes. He's there with his kickboxer brother, Sean Donahue. Um, he's Sean's competing over there. Um, and, and Jake's there taking pictures. Sean is victorious, which is uh, not uh, the most popular thing no. to the to the local crowd. So afterwards, uh, Sean and Jake, they get a hail an auto rickshaw, and they're off to, I assume, wherever they were staying while they are in Thailand, but they don't make it to their destination, Chad. No, as, as they're cruising away on their little auto rickshaw, um, they're cut off by a number of vehicles and and men, men with armed weapon or with, uh, with machine guns and, uh, Khan steps out played by Billy Blanks of Taibo fame. Absolutely. Uh, and he takes exception to the American winning in Thailand and basically says, uh, like you were supposed to lose this fight. Uh, you knew that. And now I'm going to kill your ass. And he does. And he also destroys the championship belt. Oh, what a beautiful thing to see. I love watching somebody like in, in, in just in fury, like rip a belt in half. That's just such a cool scene. Yeah. You know, and it's almost surprising. Nobody ever tried that in, in pro wrestling. I know like Tong Po does it, you know what I mean? And right. kickboxer. I always loved that scene. And you know, you had, uh, 
uh, Shane Douglas tossing in the trash can and right. Uh, Mr. Perfect, Mr. Perfect smashed it with the hammer. Oh yes. Beautiful. And that, that, and that has like a, a legend of its own too, you know, with the hardcore title and stuff, right? Right. Yeah. Many people believe the hardcore title was, was that belt that Mr. Perfect uh, destroyed. I don't know if that's ever been proven. I don't think it has, but it, it, it brings with it a story that, that kind of, you know, carries uh, years of, of history with it that, you know, like wrestling fans go nuts of that shit. Right. And I think act, action fans do the same thing. So when you see a guy rip a title in half in a movie, it, it's a cool scene. And, and this was no different. And uh, Khan also gives Jake a little something to remember him by uh, scars him for life. And, uh, and that scene ends. And now we fast forward and Jake Donahue is all grown up. He's played by Lauren Avedon and Jake is now a cop with the NYPD. Um, and I would say he's depending on how you look at it, Chad. <laughs> yeah. He's either the best undercover cop due to his results or the worst undercover cop due to his uh, methods. Yeah. I think it really depends on what you, what year you, you find Jake in, you know, like it's like you think about dirty Harry as a cop, like that, that stuff doesn't fly in 2021. You know what I mean? But in the seventies, yeah, you, maybe you get away with it and you're a great cop, but, but the way that Jake Donahue uh, works as an undercover cop um, is bad. And uh, he essentially just tells everyone he's a cop. He rips his rips his badge out, pulls it out, shows it to everybody. Doesn't carry a gun, of course, because he's Jake Donahue, and uh, tells his boss the wrong address. Right. Uh, but, so, so because the, he doesn't need him. He's Jake right. Donahue. Right, and you get some great lines. And we should also point out the drug dealer uh, in the scene was played by Jerry Trimble, who would go on to be in some action movies himself, including one man army, one of, uh, I know Christy Petrillo's favorites. Nice. Uh, where he played Jerry Pelt, which as Chris has pointed out is a great real estate name. Um, and I agree, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Jerry Trimble in his acting debut uh, in this movie, uh, some great lines in this whole scene. Oh my gosh. Uh, with the first, of course, when they're, they're going to do the exchange with the classic, you show me yours, I'll show you mine. Uh, and then, like you said, Jake says, hey, I'm a cop, where uh, Jerry Trimble just laughs it off and says, a fucking cop, just laughing away. And then, Chad, do, do you want to take the line? Yeah. It, my favorite thing about this whole scene is the way that Jake laughs, too. Right. Because you know, he has this like crazy, just like a ridiculous laugh. And he's like, you know, a fucking cop. Nope, just a plain old cop. Fucking has nothing to do with it. <laughs> Classic. I mean, that's the ultimate comeback to that line. It's almost as if it was ad libbed and it wasn't written. In a I, you know, I'd like to believe it is. Yeah, and, and yeah. Let, let's I, just go with it. It was ad libbed. I think I. Do you listen to the the Scott Adkins podcast with the video podcast, whatever it is? I have not. I have okay. not gotten a chance to do that yet. I did listen to the one with Lauren Avedon um, several weeks ago, just listening to it because I enjoy Avedon and not in preparation for this. But I believe I remember him talking about working with uh, Jerry Trimble and saying and talking about Trimble kind of laying it in during these fight scenes. So when I was watching it recently, I was trying to kind of see that and I couldn't really tell so much. But uh, if I'm remembering it correctly, I'm glad to hear it because that scene kind of needed a little bit more uh, ferocity to, 
to bring it out of that comical area. And and I will take that back. I have not seen the Avedon episode. I did watch the one that Scott Atkins did with Elaine Moosey. Uh, of course you uh, did. Of, yes. Of the, of the kickboxer uh, reboot. Moose. So Moose, my good, my good friend Moose. Well, not really, but I, I love Moose. He's great. Um, so yeah, we get this whole thing. Uh, and now Jake has to, to face the music of his boss. Yeah. Captain O'Day, uh, Richard Jackal. Uh, and he's Captain O'Day is obviously pissed. Jake's not doing what he's supposed to do. He put himself in danger. Um, so he's about had enough with it. But as luck would have it, Interpol <laughs> is looking yeah. for a cop. And you know this Captain O'Day is like, this is perfect. I'll get this guy out of my hair for a little while. Right. And there's a few things that I didn't understand as a kid that I get now. And one of them was Interpol. Like I remember watching movies as a kid and someone talking about Interpol and I had no freaking clue what it was. Um, and I don't remember anyone ever explaining what Interpol was as a kid, you know, and did you open, ask anyone? Did you know an like, adult in like an eighties movie, you know, they're like Interpol needs somebody for this. I'm like, whatever that is. Right. Um, because you know, as, as you get older, you start thinking about like some random cop from Detroit or wherever he's at <laughs> going to Thailand to, to, or Beverly Hills. To, yeah, to bust to bust Pete. Is that where he's from, Beverly Hills? No, I'm just well, was Beverly to, Hills cop chat. Well, Beverly Hills cop, yeah, sorry. My bad. But <laughs> just going up there to bust guys who are making snuff films, you know what I mean? Right. It, it makes no sense. Yeah. Um, like you, you, you don't have a whole litany of people that could do this? You had a Yeah, exactly. But when you add in Interpol, it, it adds some mystery to it. So, But I never got it as a kid, and, and now it, it makes more sense. Um, and it's funny that – you know, at first Jake wants nothing to do with the job uh, right. until he, he, he puts yeah. on the tape and sees who's in the tape. Right. He hears Thailand and obviously some bad memories come flooding back yeah. and he's like, nope, no way. And Captain O'Day is like, here's the, here's the tape. Here's the case file. Go home, study him. And, uh, you know, you're going to Thailand basically. So Jake, as you said, he, he goes home, takes a nice relaxing shower first. Yep. Um, and then pops one of the tapes into the VCR, opens a Budweiser. Yeah, cracks one open. And uh, when he first turns on the tape, we get the uh, bank fight from No Retreat, No Surrender, Three Blood Brothers, and see a little Keith Vitale action. And uh, excellent. And uh, Jake gives his his critique of the film, uh, which is very different than mine. Which I love that film, but he said That's it great. looked like a bad Bruce Lee movie without Bruce Lee, I believe. Um, so he's not impressed. Fast forward, but as he's fast forward, he sees that familiar face, Khan. Mm. And again, these memories come flooding back. Jake is getting emotional. Uh, and as luck would have it, the phone rings. There's Captain O'Day saying, you know what, Jake, obviously you don't want to do this. We're going to send somebody else. But Jake is going now. And then we get the classic Lauren Avedon emoting. Oh man. There's like three scenes in this movie of Avedon doing something like this that yes. I think take, that take a lot of people out of it, you know, because they see these scenes and they may only see these scenes amongst the whole film and mm -hmm. be like, Oh, it's terrible. It's such bad acting, but it, the rest of the movie, he's great. Like he doesn't, I don't, I don't, it's weird because it seems so out of place for him to do these crazy yells and screams. I'm going to tell you what, like, it, this is very similar to what we talked about last time 
with U.S. Seals 2 and the sound effects. Yeah. The first time I watched it, I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> but then the second time, you're like, oh, okay. And third, oh, yeah, I kind of like, you know, it just becomes part of the movie. And yeah. for me, if Avedon does not emote in a movie, I'm, I feel ripped off. It's like a, it's, it's almost like stage acting, right? You have to like over enunciate, over exaggerate emotions. Or or like pro wrestling again. Like he is playing to the person in the last row of the stadium. Yeah. He wants that person all the way up in the last row to feel what he's feeling down, down in the ring. So what's funny is if you think about Lauren Avedon as a pro wrestler, you think about this emoting as like, he's getting over, right? This is his way of getting over. He's, he's like you said, he's performing for the guy in the back as visually, physically as a pro wrestler, Lauren Avedon would be like the worst pro wrestler because he doesn't have a good look at all. He'd be like Greg Gagne. (laughs) He would be, uh, uh, shoot. What's that guy's name? Uh, Sam Houston, maybe remember in, remember in very early ring of honor when everyone was on, uh, was talking about Spanky. Remember Spanky? Oh, Brian Kendrick. Brian yeah. Kendrick, yeah. Well, everyone loves Spanky. And I was like, why the hell would anybody like this guy? He's puny. But then you watch one of his matches and physically, like, dude was doing some really cool stuff back then. Yeah. Um, but just to look at him, he looked like a guy that I beat up in high school. You know what I mean? Well, that sounds like something you would do. I didn't beat anybody up in high school. No. Sorry. Uh, it's okay. So, Jake, uh, he's going. He has his big scream, hand on the head scream uh he arrives in thailand and he looks like he's on a vacation oh yeah he's got a hawaiian shirt on he has white slacks on so that tells me that this was filmed between memorial day and labor day <laughs> unless, so, unless unless the fashion rules are different in thailand I don't. it know. could be it's different side of the, of the planet <laughs> yeah it might or, be reversed it might be exactly it could have been right after a magnum <laughs> pi marathon too it could could have been so he's there he meets his contact anderson who i assume is the interpol guy played by don stroud who I'm i don't sure. remember that guy at all by the way <laughs> Well, you do you now remember him that you saw? Well, I mean, from the first watch. So the <laughs> right. first watch, I did, I was like, "Who the hell is this guy?" Yeah. But what he's totally useless because you know Jake basically meets him is like, "I'm going to do this my way. Stay the hell out of my way. I do my own thing." Right. And that, that's pretty much the end of Anderson for the yeah, most of for, for a good while. Yeah. He almost yeah. yeah. So Jake and Jake does have a point though. The way they've been doing it hasn't gotten results. Yes. So Jake's going to do it his way and get results, which is what he's obviously known for um, and probably why Captain O'Day chose him. But well, one of the reasons. Yes. Then we get, we get to see this illegal movie operation. Uh, We meet the producer who, according to the credits is credited as the big boss. Okay. Which is an interesting name, obviously a classic Bruce Lee, the first Bruce Lee movie, Mm -hmm. the big boss. We got the talent scout, Mr. McKinney who was also uh, in No Retreat, No Surrender 3 as Angel, so he must have been a seasonal film favorite. And these guys are exactly the type of sleazeball uh, movie types that you would expect uh, making snuff films, Chad. Yeah, they've got the you know the, the Thai girls kind of laying all over them and kissing on them, and they're, and they're, they're trying to get uh, the shot that, that – not what's good for camera, but what, what sells to their audience and their audience is, is the people who are buying snuff films. Right. I, right. I don't know a lot about snuff films, but I know if you're making films about 
Americans being killed at the hands of Billy Blanks, then you want you want to see more of that. So um, they're kind of working towards getting these guys in position to uh, to get their asses destroyed by Billy Blanks, which you know they're good at their job. I will say that because when Khan does show up, he does pound some ass. <laughs> yes. And, and yes, he does. And yeah, this whole scene it's a, kind of has a garage theme to it. Um, mm. The poor sap that they have, who you know, he's like, oh yeah, I could fight and realizes this isn't just, this isn't movie fighting. This is real right. fighting and ends up being hung from the ceiling by a chain when it's all said and done. So yeah, he's dead. It seems like a lot of work to put into making one of these things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like first we have to find a white guy or, you know, an American, <laughs> which probably can't be that easy. Just, and, then yeah. you gotta find, and then you got to find one that can fight really well, which is even more difficult. Right. And then you have to like set up all these intricate, uh, these, these sets and all to have him die in it. And, and 42 seconds of fighting. It seems like a lot of work for, for not a lot of payoff. Yeah. I mean, and, and that can't be the only, I mean, and this is pre internet. Like if this was the internet, yeah, you could you could see like, hey, buy this five minute video for whatever. Right. You you can't sell just a VHS with uh, just like no. five minutes of footage on it. So they had, they had to do a lot of work, I would think. So I could I could see this being popular briefly and then being overshadowed by bum fights. Right. Well, yeah, you very good. This could be the yeah. So now let's let's see. Jake Jake has a fashion change, and I know this is something that Chad Cruz would walk around in. Oh yes, yeah. He, he he's got this denim vest. He I don't know how many bags he brought with him to <laughs> Thailand, but every one of them is full of gold. It's, they're great. Yeah, he, he's walking around strutting ass in Thailand in this denim vest. Goes to the best kickboxing school there is. Gets in the ring and just says, "Hey, who wants to fight me?" <laughs> I mean, this guy's got balls. He does. You can definitely say that. Uh, You know, just goes. It's like none of you would last five minutes on the streets of New York City. Um, Okay. And and and, you know, maybe that's the case. So uh, he does. He does take out some guys, some of the underlings. Yes. But eventually, the the teacher there is just like, get the hell out of here. Yeah, and based on what I see, they they may not last five minutes on the streets Mm -hmm. of New York City because they he beat the shit out like three of them. So. But there's one student who seems to, to kind of take notice of uh, Jake. It's uh, Tassi. And uh, we'll see him a little bit later on because I'm like, okay, something's got to be going on with this guy. This was one when I rewatched it. I forgot all about this guy. Yeah, I did too. I didn't remember this guy at all. So now we cut back to the rap party for our, our big snuff film. And Big Big Boss has a lineup of women for Khan to choose from. Yeah, it's not a celebration unless someone brings out a line of women to choose from, uh, you know, to just seal the deal <laughs> and <laughs> make the night a little bit better. And and of all the women he could have chosen, Khan chooses the absolute worst one of the bunch. The only one that doesn't appear to be happy to be there. <laughs> right. The others are, are right. They're all like interested and like, oh yeah, choose me. But no, he picks the girl who can't even like look him in the eye, wants nothing to do with him. And I don't know if that's what he wants. Is is he, is that the kind of thing he's into? But it seemed like a poor decision and it creates the mess that he gets into for the rest of the film. 
You know, the heart wants what the heart wants, Chad, they say. <laughs> That's and, true. Uh, you know, that I, true. I've certainly been accused in my time to always go after the ones that I, I know I can't have. That's tough. I know. You know, it's, you know it, maybe it, he's all about the chase. You know, he's like, yeah, the chase is better than the uh, than the actual finish there. So, Wait, yeah, what? and Molly is played by Sherry Rose. Like he said, she wants nothing to do with Khan, but Khan's not taking no for an answer. He takes her back to his room, uh, but she pulls the old. She wants to be clean for him, okay. and he falls for it. So she goes her, off her, to the her. bathroom, and that's when she gives him the slip. Oh yeah. The big slip and not <laughs> the one he was looking for. <laughs> no, not at all. So she gets out. So then Khan sends out some minions to chase her down. They corner her in an alley and that's where Jake meets Molly. Oh my goodness. Another great Jake scene. Um, I don't know if he had spotted her beforehand, but he follows him out into the alley, sees these guys kind of like pouncing on her and basically tries to uh, insert himself into a gangbang. <laughs> yeah and he's like don't worry i'll go second or third oh, another great oh. great line from him so good and then he beats the crap out of all these guys so even better yeah and then jake uh then molly takes jake back to her place uh where he finds out she's a model um and she starts suspecting he's a cop just the way he's snooping around things um and he does admit that he's in thailand looking for some he doesn't really admit he's a cop no he doesn't say he isn't, but he doesn't say he is. He just says he's there looking for somebody. And at this point, it doesn't really matter. No. Yeah. So Molly offers to help, uh, and it, that doesn't really go anywhere at that point. But Jake is going to get some more help from Tossie, who we talked about yep. uh, the very next day, because Tossie tracks him down, um, and they have a little bit of an altercation. And... Tossie gets Jake to admit why he's in Thailand. Yeah, Tossie, uh, much better fighter than you would expect. Uh, uh, I I don't know if we just saw the worst of the guys at the at the kickboxing school, but but Tossie just kind of like makes him his bitch in just a, a a few short seconds. And Jake, he basically gets Jake to say, "Hey, I'm here to find Khan to go up against Khan." And Tossie's like, "You're not ready for that kind of smoke." And he said, you're going to need to train with Master Prong, which is our good friend, Keith Cook. Keith Cook, yes. And so Jake is going to go find Master Prong. And he gets a boat, goes down the river, gets to where Prong's location has been shared with him. And instead he just finds this drunk guy with a pickpocketing monkey. Yeah, which, you know, that's what I would expect in Thailand. <laughs> Yeah, so, but Jake was not expecting that. He was hoping no, to, no. to find some great master who could train him uh, to fight Khan. So he just kind of, he's over it quickly and leaves. But the monkey, Chad, oh boy. stole his passport. Yeah, like a like a little magical Chris Angel monkey. He, he like He like snuck it out of his pocket. And uh, without without Jake knowing it, so it forces Jake to return on his via boat, which seems really inefficient because um, he's got this tiny little paddle boat. And when you watch him do it, he's like struggling the whole time. So Lord knows how many hours it took him to get back out there. And imagine <laughs> the scene of him, the deleted scene of him finding out that his uh, his passport was missing. I mean, and you know, and that brings up a great point. Where the hell is this movie on Blu-ray? Come on. 
I don't know, dude. I, I mean, there's, there should be a three pack of no retreat, no surrender. Yeah. There should be King, King of the Kickboxers. There, there's so many. Right. I mean, they could do King of the Kickboxer and American Shaolin, which was oh, King of the Kickboxer two in some parts of the world. So yeah, they did put out a no retreat, no surrender Blu-ray, which I thought was a great sign. Like, okay, here we go. Somebody got done. access to the seasonal library. Yeah, because super fights would be another great one. Um, fights. Blood Moon is in there. Uh, so come on now, but we don't have it. So, but let's talk about movies. Let's talk about the screening of Khan's yes. film, which yeah. again, how this was a whole screening when it was a one scene. Yes, I don't. I know, know a guy who gets lots of screeners. Yes, so do I. So do I. Uh, he didn't get this one though, unfortunately. So Khan. But Khan's not happy, and you know, and and no. you kind of got to respect that to some degree. Um, yeah, he's a perfectionist. Yeah, he is. Uh, and, but something pops in his head, as luck would have it, waxing yeah. nostalgic about the time he killed a guy, and his little brother was watching. Yeah, and I don't know why this would pop into his head, because um, I feel like Khan's the kind of guy who did a lot of terrible stuff over the years. But yeah, he thinks back to ten years ago when he when he killed uh, Sean Donahue, the you know the recent champion of whatever belt that was, and his little brother watched it all happen. So so Khan comes up with the idea that we need to like have something like this in the film to really up the uh, the the uh, anxiety, the tension, and the big boss is basically just applauding in his face over. He loves it. Yeah, he is absolutely on board with this idea. Um, and, you know, that's great. When you have the collaboration and somebody comes up with a great idea, mm-hmm. you, you want to jump all over it, and that's exactly what the big boss does. Um, so now we cut back to what you were talking about. Jake has now made his way back because he realizes his passport is gone. Yeah. And when he's there, he sees Prong just getting attacked by just nameless thugs. Yeah. And we see Prong in some action there, but then Jake jumps in too. And we get a nice little fight scene there. Um, And now it's time for Prong to reveal himself. Yes. To Jake. And he gives him the passport, invites Jake to stay for dinner. And we find out a little bit of the backstory about Prong at this point. Yeah. We, we hear about this fight. We already had known that Prong and had a fight with Khan and that, you know, he was like, as close as anyone had ever gotten to beating Khan, but we hadn't heard it the full story yet. So we, we get a bit of that and he talks about being seriously injured. And then afterwards he, he, you know, instead of, you know, marking himself as a dead man, uh, he went into hiding and basically started pretending to be this drunken hermit guy. Right. Um, Cause he's, then, he's harmless that way. And exactly. And, and which is another reason, you know, he lives out in the middle of nowhere and when the, when the nameless thugs show up to beat him up and, and push him around, he just kind of lets it happen until Jake intervenes. And Prong also uses it as an opportunity to see what Jake kind of has in his arsenal. So um, it kind of works in, in multiple ways for the script, but it's also cool to see Prong finally leap into action, beat the shit out of these guys. And then Jake's like, holy crap, like this guy is good. Right. And whatever he saw out of Jake must have been enough because at this point, Jake shares his story about Khan. And next thing you know, Prong is agreeing to train him. Right. Which means one thing only, Chad. Oh, we waited a long time for it. And now we finally have it. 
It's a training montage. And it is a glorious one at that. We get all the classics, the breaking of the coconuts with the knees, the whole forcing Jake to do the splits. He's hanging from a tree. It's like they wanted a one up Jean-Claude Van Damme almost like he was way up there. It's very odd to see it. (laughs) I I don't know. How could anyone even come up with that? Yeah, these contraptions that Prong has are, are something. Like he could have been an engineer. He could. Have, he should have been. Maybe he was in a like you know previously before he moved there from Washington, Seattle, Washington. Yeah, so, yeah, he's just clubbing Jake and just putting him through these contraptions. Um, then you know, and he's also training his mind. We get the whole the yes. sound of one hand clapping gimmick. Yes, which I that's a great like because. Jake calls him out on it. It's like, you don't even know what it means. I love that part. Yeah. There, there are a few scenes in the movie where it seems like uh, um, Lauren Avedon just said what he actually thought and yeah. they put it in the movie. Like it made sense. Like, oh yeah, you're right. That is stupid as hell. Um, <laughs> let's add that in. Like, so I don't know if that's the case, but that's how I'm thinking about it. Right. And we get some words of wisdom uh, from Prong to the warrior who clings to life will surely die. He who embraces death will survive. Deep mm-hmm. thoughts by Master Prong right there. <laughs> uh, yeah. Now, at this point, Molly, good golly. Uh, Molly says she's go looking for Jake. Yeah. Um, and uh, she ends up once again getting chased by some guys. But this time she handles that on her own, ends up uh, outsmarting them. And she does make it to Prong's and Prong uh, arranges for Molly to surprise Jake with a little massage action. Chad Cruz. Yeah. He's kind of like the pimp in this situation. Uh, the concierge. Um, <laughs> and he just, uh, he's like, Oh, you know, Jake's going to be in the hot tub because he has all these sore muscles. So just meet him over there and, you know, blindfold him and do with him as you will kind of thing. (laughs) As he stands by just kind of watching at a distance with his fingers doing all kinds of, you know, like "Mm -hmm." kind of situation. And here's something that that, uh, old Lauren Avedon says, or Jake says, that I have a question about, Chad, and hopefully you'll have an answer for me. I love it. Where Jake calls Prang a dirty old man. Yeah. Was, is Prong supposed to be like super old? Because he doesn't look it. No, he's like twenty four. And, and and by yeah, by just the actual age of the actors, Keith Cook is three years older than Lauren Avedon. Okay, so they didn't do any like. So was he not the original choice? I'm wondering to be know. Prong. And, and that's they, a good question. Because, and that would make more sense because if he had, you know, he's only a couple years older than Avedon. So if he had fought Khan at some point. It would have had to have been very recently. How long? How many years ago? Did right. Yeah, like you could see, like if he was an old guy, like hey, that was my last fight. Yes. Blah like, blah blah. He's the one who retired me because. Right. It's very similar to. Uh, uh, I don't think you've seen this film. We've talked about it in the past before. Best of the best two. Right. Is, uh, Sonny Landham's character. He is helping uh, uh, Philip Ree, and he's like, you know, I'm I fought Brackus like back in the day. He essentially retired me, almost killed me. Let me show you what you need to know to beat him. I mean, it's actually the exact same character <laughs> now that I think about it. But Sonny Landham isn't 24 years old. You know what I mean? In the right. film. So it makes way more sense to, to think of him as a young man uh, actually being kind of like a, a baller and, and, and fighting this, this big dude. And I mean, like Keith Cook today still looks good 
yeah, you know, maybe it's maybe it's just a term. You know, dirty old man is a term that everybody understands. Right. Yeah. Uh, it certainly applies said, to, like, to you. Thank you. He had just said like you dirty dog. You know what right. I mean? Like maybe it doesn't have the same connotation. <laughs> so yeah, Jake and uh, Molly have some fun in the hot tub. Uh, but then we get another training montage, a little, yeah. a little more abbreviated. Um, yeah, he's 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 worn out though. Yeah, and uh, but now you know all this training. It's time to put this to the test because training's yeah. one thing, but can you apply the training, Chad? Right. That's, that's really the 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 key. Right. Yeah, education and experience. Those are two keys that you need in life, uh, but also in fighting against uh, evil snuff film making bad guys. Right. So Jake goes to some of the, like the low level local fights. Um, and that's where Mr. McKinney, the like talent scout for the snuff films hangs out, which is a smart thing. Uh, he's looking yeah. for fighters and, uh, you know, it's, uh, he approaches Jake, not surprisingly, cause Jake is quite impressive. Uh, and says, Hey, I, I want to make you a movie star. And who's yeah. going to turn that down? No. Yeah. Who would? And, and Jake, uh, gladly agrees to it and says, who, who will I be working with? Chuck, <laughs> Chuck Norris, Van Damme, Jackie Chan. Uh, so wrong. <laughs> and the answer is no to all the above. You'll be working with Mr. Tybo himself, Billy Blanks. Boom. Congratulations. So yeah, he does uh, accept the, the job offer, even though he's not going to, he's going to be the star. You don't need to play second fiddle to one of those guys. Right. You're yeah. going to be the star. And that's a, that's a good way to sell it um, for sure. And this is where Anderson pops back into the picture after not being around. And not only Anderson, but Captain O'Day happens to be there too. Cause why the hell not? I felt like he was on vacation um, and just happened to be at the same restaurant and saw Jake and Molly out on a date. It was like, Oh my God. It could be, but I doubt it. Uh, so, so Jake, you know, they're, they're going to pull him at this point. But Jake's like, no, I'm this close now. I'm, I'm where we need to be. Why are you going to pull me? And he's like, I'm going to go. You can pull me, but I'm going to go in and just do this on my own if you do it. So Which, let me. Can I stop you right there? You sure can. Okay. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, their whole point was to just gain access to this group, right? Yeah. I mean, what what does it what purpose does it serve for him to actually go there and fight Khan on on film? with the hopes of winning. Right. They already know where the sniff film is being filmed. They could have just sent in the cavalry right there True. and arrested everybody. That is Isn't fair. that what they wanted? It is. Uh, but Jake wanted revenge. I know. I know what he wanted, but I always <laughs> felt like, yeah, secret, I get what the, you're saying. Like where are these snuff films being made? We don't know. It's too secret and mysterious, but once they gain access, now they have that location. Yeah. Jake must know because he's going to meet him the next day. So, uh, at that point, they could have been like, we already know where it's going to be. So, like, we really don't need you anymore. Maybe, given Jake. All right, let's 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 think this through. <laughs> let's think this through. We know what Jake did in the first part of the movie with the drug bust. Yes. Did he go to another location, put a note in there that said, here's the real location. Ha, ha, ha. So they went to the wrong spot again found Jake's note and then that bought Jake enough time to do what he wanted to do. It's possible. Cause they do say something at the end, I believe uh, at the very end, captain or day says something to Jake about the location. I don't remember. Who I don't remember who gets, either. 
who gives a shit to be honest with you? <laughs> what you're saying is we're overanalyzing. We are. I think so. All right. But you know, before Jake is going to go get his revenge for his brother's death. Yes. Yeah. He has one last night mm-hmm. to spend with sweet Molly McGee. Mm-hmm. And uh, they they do so. She she's worried. Like, do you don't believe in the uh, superstition about uh, relations before the big game? And he does not. My brain thinks one thing, but this thinks something different. <laughs> yeah, this. All right. And so he, then, he removes the blanket. You know. Right. I I understand. Yeah, you get uh, it. I got you. You know so what's under the blanket? The the next next morning after their their night of lovemaking. Uh, Jake's off to the movie set. Before he leaves, he tells Prong, hey, keep an eye on Molly until I get back. And Jake hops in a boat again, which is his preferred mode of transportation. Yep. And I mean, like milliseconds, it seems, after he's gone, (laughs) you see some bad guys who are just like lurking about. And it's quite obvious that something bad's about to happen. Yeah. But before we could see what happens, Jake is on set. And they have this giant bamboo dome. I mean, this is a pretty awesome setup for the final fight. Yeah, and it's like a it's like a WCW uh, pay per view. Yeah. Uh, or like the a Pun- GI Joe, the Punjabi program. prison, perhaps. The Punjabi prison. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's pretty wild looking. It's like you said, the big bamboo dome cage. Uh, there's all kinds of like different stages and different levels set up inside of it. There are, you know, Jake and, and uh, when we finally meet Khan again, he's, they're both wearing like these traditional uh, tie, like uh, whatever, like these tie garb and crazy masks and shit. And uh, yeah, it's really neat. There's all kinds of random dudes in there too. It reminded me of WMAC Masters a little bit. And we know you love that show. I do indeed. Um, so yeah, so he gets these just bunch of kind of mask jobbers, we'll call them. And uh Jake at this point is still kind of like, Oh, Oh, I'm sorry. I I really hurt you there. Yeah. He's still trying to play. Like he doesn't, he's just fish out of water. Doesn't know what the hell's going on. He just thinks he's a movie star. Yeah. Um, and then he, he's going to quit. It's like, Oh no guys, this is, this is getting too real. And that's when we get the two shocking revelations after Mm -hmm. Khan shows up. Uh, one is that Molly is captive, but the other one really is a, punch into the stomach it hurts prong is dead just prong, dead he's super dead and he gets his his dead corpse body just like flung into the water yeah and you know i would have liked to have seen him him a, fight maybe a close-up of his head yeah right? and maybe like a bullet hole on it or something yeah uh, yeah, would, you would have liked to actually seen him even fight him off one last yes. time too, and then like yeah, off all of a sudden you just hear a shot, a gunshot. Yep, and yeah, that would have been nice. Yeah, they did him dirty here. Uh, they really did. Keith Cook deserved better. Keith Cook in general, and I tell you what, anytime I see Keith Cook in a movie, it's, it's one of those like he should have been in way more movies. Right. Way more movies. I mean, the guy had the a great look. Obviously, skilled beyond many people yes. uh it just it's he, I, I, i'm just gonna assume he didn't want it because there's no reason that a producer wouldn't want him in their movie right and he hasn't done many and and you think about like when i see his acting credits i'm looking at it right now 13 credits to his name right um 
you know, in a, in, in a time when it was like, that was, you could have made a martial arts movie every other month. Oh yeah. And, and I scroll down to like stunts and sometimes you see very few acting credits. You go down to stunts and there's like 125, right. two, two credits as a stuntman. So yeah. yeah, I don't know what was going on there. So prong is gone. Sadly. Um, again, Molly's captive. Jake hits. Here's another one of his lines. And I know this is a, a favorite line of Mr. Paul London, who is a big fan of, of our site. Um, and he can do this perfectly. I've heard him do it. Uh, I, I'm not even going to try, but he gets the whole, let the girl go with the <laughs> elongated go. Oh, that's great. Um, it's fantastic. Um, so then we kind of get a stipulation added to, the, to this matchup. McKinney's like, okay, Jake, if you could defeat Khan, you and Molly can go free. And so, yeah, it's kind of like modern day wrestling where just shit on the fly is, is booked. Yeah. Let me tell you something, player. <laughs> right. We're, you're going to take on the Undertaker. All right. No, <laughs> not in this case. Uh, you're going to take on Khan. Um, and now Khan kind of gets his own shocking revelation, though, because he yes. realizes who the hell he's, he's uh, standing up against or squaring off with. This yeah, isn't just Jake- some guy. This is Jake Donahue. And and not only does Khan get what he wants, but he like he like double gets it, you know, because he wanted like ramped up tension. He wanted a guy who had something on the line here in the fight, not just fighting for his life, but also fighting for, you know, the life of a loved one or someone else. And and Jake flings a little uh, Polaroid and Khan catches it like a like a boss. Uh, and it's a Polaroid of his brother, Sean, the night that he won the title and the night that, you know, right before he was killed. So Khan kind of gets it at the same time. And then you're like, oh man, yeah. now we have two guys who are super motivated to kill each other and it's even better. Right. Like you said, yeah. Khan, this is like the perfect bit of casting. Like he yep. wanted this and you could not have picked a better human being on the planet earth to be starring opposite Khan. Um, and then he hits that line. I'm going to send you to hell to join your brother. Oh yeah. That's, that's brutal. That's... I've been there for 10 years. Ah! <laughs> and again, yes. Perfect. That's good, Chad. Excellent. Good. So we get the big final fight. Uh, spoiler alert. Jake wins. Oh, dude. Why did um, you say that? Which was not, you know, I expected that. I'm sure you expected it. I'm sure everybody yes. watching expected it. But the people there, the film crew, the director, yeah. the producer, uh, Mr. McKinney, they did not expect that. So a riot nearly breaks out, and that's when our, our Mr. Captain O'Day, Anderson, and the whole Calvary shows up, um, and uh, they kind of clean house there. Yep. We get Jake and Molly reunited, living happily ever after, I assume anyway. Yeah. And uh, that's it. That's the film. Yeah. And what yeah. a great film it is. It is. And we, we kind of like... You know, we spend all this time building up the movie and then we get to that final fight scene and we kind of glossed over it, but it's easily one of my favorite fight scenes. If you just cut that scene out, take it out of the entire film and just set it there by itself. It's one of the best fight scenes that I've seen. Like, yeah, especially like definitely in, in the era that it was in and mm-hmm. kind of that early eighties, 81, 82 to kind of mid nineties. Definitely one of the best fight scenes of, of, of Americanized films that I've ever seen. And uh, I mean, it still holds up now. You could put it on right now. And of course, you you know, people, action fans will recognize Billy Blanks and they may recognize Lauren Avedon, but 
uh, the the action in the scene still holds up. Yeah. It doesn't need CGI. Like right, it's it's not crazy like edits and cuts everywhere. Like these guys can actually throw kicks and throw punches, and and it, uh, it's really cool to watch, especially having not seen the movie as a kid and having that bias coming into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again. Uh- you know, I came into it too with, you know, to me, kickboxer is the ultimate kickboxer movie. Yes. Yes. So I probably had a little bit of a snooty attitude towards this movie. Like, well, it's just, just some kickboxer ripoff. Not that I, you know, and I've seen a ton of those. So, right. eh. but uh, you know, now I, I'm not going to say it's better than kickboxer, but it's just as good in, in a lot of respects. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I think the fight scene is actually better. Just yeah. based on based on the way that it was filmed and how they let the actors do more, you know, it has less ass cheeks for sure. There are a few ass cheeks, which is you know sometimes that's good, sometimes it's bad. <laughs> right. Maybe in this case, it's good that there's fewer ass cheeks. But and yeah, uh, and I think the the fight scene also proves why Lauren Avedon got the spot because, yeah. like he said, in general, just his look, you wouldn't be like, yeah, he could be an action hero. Mm-hmm. Um, his acting somewhat questionable. Um, yeah. But, you know, that really can go for pretty much every action star. None of them are really known as being great thespians. Right. And this um, was the, the third film of his, of his seasonal trilogy that he did. Right. And I think it was this last one. And you can look at his, uh, his filmography on IMDb and see where his career went after this. And I, I think it really did struggle not being in this kind of this kind of setting where he yeah. can kind of do this kind of thing. Definitely his best stuff was with seasonal for yeah. sure. He had a couple other, you know, good ones, but nothing reached the level of this movie. Or again, I, I also love blood brothers. No retreat, no surrender. Three. Oh yeah. It's amazing. The, the, the finale of that movie just as good, maybe even better. Yeah. The hangar scene. And again, yeah. that, I'm sure we'll be talking about that mm-hmm. at some point, as we said. Um, so you yeah, and I are blood brothers, aren't we? What's that? Aren't you you and, and I are blood brothers. brothers? Yeah. Uh, Sure. All right. We're going to throw it to a commercial break and you'll hear about another great podcast here on the Geekscape Network. And then Chad and I will be back to wrap things up on this episode. Oh, hello there. I didn't see you come in. I'm Shane O'Hare of the Geekscape Games podcast, the number one video game podcast on the Geekscape.network. Join myself, Derek Krenevelt, and a guest every fortnight as we discuss video game news, video game reviews, and dissections. That's Geekscape Games every two weeks on Geekscape.net. Welcome back, Action Fanatics. Chris the Brain, Chad Cruz with you. We are just about out of time, but before we go, as always, want to tell you about our social media plugs here. Bulletproof Pod on Twitter and at Bulletproof Action on Instagram and Facebook. Check us out there. You can get all the news about what's on the site. You can interact. Um, it's a good time on the, on the old social media, Chad Cruz. Yeah, we like a little bit of interaction. We get to talk movies with people. Um we may not know each other, but we all seem to have similar tastes in films. And you've probably seen something we haven't. You've seen something that you want to, uh, you want reviewed by one of us. I mean, throw it out there. We're open to suggestions, and um, especially if it's a good one. If it's terrible, just keep it to yourself. <laughs> yes, please. And of course, you can check out bulletproofaction.com. Uh, 
we're nearly getting to our seven year mark with the site, Chad. Wow. Um, wow. So many reviews, so many features, so much to check out. So always something new every day. Um, yeah, I cannot believe seven. Like you said, you didn't even realize your no. uh, king of the kick, king of the kickboxers <laughs> review was almost seven years ago. So that's crazy. And, and you know, I feel like uh, in a way we've come a long way, but in other ways we haven't. You know, it's still kind of just you know a few guys talking about action movies in the same way we did when we started. Um, uh, except now we have some more friends to, to do it with and, and more people to to read it. So which is great. Absolutely. The audience has, has grown every year and we want to keep that, uh, that trend going as for as long as we can. Um, speaking of keeping the trend going, keeping this show going, Chad Cruz, because next time out, RTG will be back with Excellent. us. Well, that's a matter of opinion, but RTG will be back and he has selected a movie for us to watch and talk about. Judgment Night, which is yes. one I have not seen in decades. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen it. I remember uh, my good friend Mike, as a kid, had it on a VHS. Uh, it was recorded after another film uh, that we watched all the time. So a lot of times, you know, out of pure laziness or whatever, we were we were distracted by playing with toys or whatever. When I'm ten years old, uh, we the movie would just play, the VHS tape would just play, and Judgment Night would just come on and it would play all the way through. And I remember seeing the movie uh, 30 times as, as a 10 and 11 year old, but I probably haven't seen it since. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. This was definitely one that it was like a blockbuster night for me. If I read yeah. and you picked it up and, and watched it when it, when it hit video. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to revisiting it. And then obviously talking about it here on our next episode of the Bulletproof Podcast. And again, tell your friends about it. If you're enjoying our show, let them know that they can get it wherever they get their favorite podcasts. And we will definitely appreciate that. And we appreciate you all listening uh, to this episode. So thank you. And uh, Chad, any final thoughts for our, our listeners? No, I mean, it's, it, you know, it's always podcasting season. It's always a good time to listen to them on the way to work. Uh, but uh, recently, one thing I've done is, you know, while I'm outside mowing, I was going to say, yeah, put, Pop put it your... in, listen to a podcast. So it's a perfect time. Absolutely. So again, thank you for listening. And all, as always, easy for me to say, stay tuned for more of the Bulletproof Podcast. listening to the Geekscape Network.